1944, my grandfather crossed the Atlantic to join the European campaign of World War II. He rarely spoke of the war in any detail, but upon the passing of both my grandfather and grandmother, his belongings were left to me. The following podcast consists of readings from two primary sources. The first is a battle journal of the 489th Armored Field Artillery Battalion in the 7th Armored Division of the United States Army. The second source is the letters my grandfather, Jack Ginther, sent to my grandmother, Betty Jane Ginther. Some of the sentiments expressed will seem out of date. I've done my best to transcribe the letters, but that in and of itself is a challenge. Also, I cannot stand behind my pronunciation of certain villages and cities cited in the documents. I wish my grandparents were still here so that I could have a dialogue about the contents contained within this material, but this one-way conversation will have to do. From the Battle Journal of the 489th Armored Field Artillery Battalion in the 7th Armored Division, United States Army. At 1300 of the 25th, the battalion received orders to move a few thousand yards to a firing position in support of Command Control A outposting northwest of Malone. At 1500, further orders came to move east in the general direction of Provence. At 1900, the battalion fired 157 rounds, support of leading tank elements, and were most effective in neutralizing the anti-tank and machine gun fire. On August 26th, the command control moved steadily east all day for a distance of 33 miles without incident for the artillery. At 2300 that night, they went into Liger, six miles north of Provence. In the early morning hours of the 27th, a German PX supply train of 23 vehicles blundered into our assembly area and was completely annihilated by a TD outpost and the 50 caliber machine guns of A battery. Many prisoners were captured and a good many luxury items, cognac, champagne, cigarettes, and candy were salvaged. At 1000 the next morning, the Leaguer was subject to a short-lived counterattack which was easily repulsed by A battery and one company of infantry. At 1400, Command Control A again moved out, this time north towards the pivot point of Rennes. The command control was split into three light columns, four to six miles apart. One firing battery was in support of each column. Headquarters and SV batteries moved in the rear of the center force. The center column with the majority of the battalion ran into the enemy rear guards at La Fort Gaucher at about 1700 that evening. The batteries moved into firing position and did some firing, but it was not until later that night that the column was able to pass through the, through the town. The enemy evacuated after dark and attempted to retreat through the right column which lay directly across their route. They were promptly brought to heel and annihilated by TD outposts and the ever-present A battery. For six miles, along the road supply trains were abandoned and six Tiger tanks were blown by the Germans themselves. The center column again ran into serious opposition the next day, the 29th, at Dormont, when they attempted to cross the Marne. Around noon, the bridge was blown just as the lead vehicles arrived there, and the leading tanks and tracks were subjected to direct enemy fire in defile along the river road. The column succeeded in reversing itself and crossed the river some miles further west at Chateau Thierry, which had been seized on the previous night by the left column. The town itself was littered with the remains of a destroyed German supply train 
believed to have been intended for a retreating Panzer Division. The left column had arrived near Chateau Thierry just before dusk, and the tanks had run into considerable opposition just inside the town. The tanks moved forward to take charge while the sea battery took a position three-quarter mile outside the town. Suddenly, the woods behind the artillery positioned opened up with machine gun and 20-millimeter fire on their battery position. Captain Weaver turned the M7s around and fired a burst of white phosphorus into the foliage, setting it on fire. A German assembly area was clearly outlined and changing to HE. He exterminated it swiftly. Later that same night, an enemy battery started shelling the sea battery area. The reserve officer forward with the tanks in town fired concentrations, adjusting by sound and silenced the enemy fire. The center column then advanced without further incident to a leaguer in the village of Roussy. The left column moved to Neufchâtel, where it secured bridges on the Aisne and outposted the city there. At 1500 on August 30th, all command control A units were ordered to reassemble in the vicinity of Bain. Thirty minutes after arrival, the battalion moved out on division orders east to Verdun with a mission to secure a bridgehead there and hold until the 5th Infantry Division passed through them. The battalion moved in one of Command Control A's columns in direct support of the 40th Tank Battalion. During the ensuing march, the column passed through saint manchot and Clermont and were halted on the outskirts of Verdun by anti-tank fire. At 0100 of the 31st, C Battery, the Advanced Guard Battery, fired neutralization fire on the anti-tank weapons. The remainder of the battalion closed in a command control close-in assembly area six miles west of Verdun, supporting the two columns of command control A attacking Verdun. Neutralization and harassing missions on anti-tank guns and retreating infantry were fired. By 1200, the 40th Tank Battalion had seized Verdun. One bridge capable of supporting heavy traffic across the Neuse was intact. The battalion began preparations for defensive fire around Verdun in support of command control outposts and registration of all batteries in all sectors was made. The survey and fire plan was based on maps 1 to 100,000. At 2200 that evening, the 5th Infantry Division began passing through command control A with the mission to seize the high ground dominating Verdun on the east bank of the Nice. At 0100 of September 1st, the battalion mission was accomplished and they prepared to move north and northeast toward Germany. September 1st found the 489th Armored Field Artillery Battalion remaining in their firing position at Cloret, west of Verdun, and several awaiting orders. The day passed without incident. During the night, enemy aircraft bombed Verdun and several of the forward operation tanks, then outposting the city, were sprayed by close misses. Letter from my grandfather, September 1st, 1944, France. My darling, honestly, honey, I feel terrible I don't get a chance to write you oftener. But there are things happen over here which I can't control, and you know my job. I'm lucky if I get two to three hours sleep per day. Friday it is raining and I'm really laying with it. 
I got in about 1 a.m. last night, and I slept until 11 this morning. Now I'm writing you before I eat breakfast, which will be just another K-ration. If I could tell you what we are doing, I know you would understand. Maybe soon they will allow me to say. I hope so. Betty, I have one question I want to get off. Was Bozeman married, and did he have any children? They had mail call yesterday, so I'll let you know the mail I received from you. July 28th, 31st, August 2nd, 4th, 5th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 12th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th. That sure is a lineup, isn't it, honey? I read each one of them last night before I went to sleep. I sure like to receive mail from you too, honey, even if it does have to come in batches. Now I'm going to try and answer all your questions. Should make a long letter. Well, we will see. Now that bond business. What I want you to do is keep a bank balance of at least $500, maybe a little more. That is for use in case you get sick, etc. So we won't have to worry about getting bonds cashed. And if you don't need it, when I get home we can use that for a vacation which you and I are going to take. And in this vacation you better be careful because I figure your family will get a good start right then. Now with that money above, $500, you can buy bonds if you want to. I think you can get bonds at $375 and at $750. I doubt if you will ever be able to get a $750 bond. But honey, I always want you to get $100 each month, then you can buy the extra one over that. I received a letter from Reader's Digest saying you had written them. They have combined our subscription to expire December 1946, so I guess that is all straight. Your request for those silver spoons came a little late, honey. I sure couldn't find anything for anyone in England. They just don't have anything left. That jelly I bought to burn is issued to the individual over here. That is why I didn't bring mine with me. But I didn't bring the little stove or kettle. If it is lost, it sure isn't much, so don't worry. I'm sure wondering what you are knitting for me now. I've already got a sweater. What else could it possibly be? Well, if I wait long enough, I'll know, won't I, honey? Williams is acting as common custom officer. Betty, even though personnel is changing around, there can only be so many captains and no more. Honey, don't send any more airmail stationery. Most of our mail gets rained on somewhere along the way, and the envelopes will just be stuck together. Send candy and more pictures of yourself. Honey, I like that last one. That was some pinup girl picture I received. Betty, I'm enclosing one page of your letter. This is about the way your mail is received. What do you think about it? Honey, I got to get going again. Borsheting just said we are moving again, so I better close for now. You better hope for another rainy day so I can get a chance to write again. Betty, please don't worry about me. I'm doing everything I know and learn to take care of myself. I sure wish this was over, and when I do get home, I'll have plenty to say to you. For the last two nights I dreamed of you. They both have been just nice dreams. Be good, darling, and pray I come home to you soon. I do so much want to be with you. Goodbye for now. All my love, and more. Jack.